Thank you for joining us for Being a Parent is Hard. I'm Beth Feldman. I'm a clinical psychologist and a relational psychoanalyst. And I am Jen Raddis. I am also a clinical psychologist with a cognitive behavioral approach. Hey, Jen, this is our first podcast, and I'd like to tell the listeners exactly what we're going to be offering. Absolutely. This is a peek behind the closed doors of the psychotherapy office. It's an opportunity to see what brings kids and parents into therapy Mm -hmm. and how the process of therapy works to help people feel better. It's an opportunity to get some hands-on advice, some tools, some strategies to address all kinds of different parenting issues. What do you think? I think that sounds great. You know, you and I have been doing this for a long time, and we've known each other a long time. And I think we have two styles that work really well together. And we've worked with a lot of kids and a lot of families on the everyday kinds of struggles that people have and the really challenging kinds of struggles that people have. And I think it will be great to offer advice and understanding and like a sense of togetherness to our listeners. Absolutely. A little bit too much emphasis on the long time end of things, but (laughs) sorry, Sorry. so true. (laughs) We do. We have experience as parents, but more importantly, I think we have experience as clinicians. Agreed. Okay. So let's just say a word or two about why we chose our title. Parenting is hard. I know I love our title. You know, I think from my perspective, it's hard in different ways at different developmental stages. Yes. And different stages are are more difficult for each of us. So for me, the baby stage was so difficult. I mean, I was ready to put a sign on the lawn, like baby for sale, when they (laughs) wouldn't sleep through the night. (laughs) Yep. Adolescence, I I like the snarky, you know, difficult with limit setting kind of things. Yes. What about you? I agree with you. I think being a parent is hard, very genuinely, and I agree. Every developmental stage brings something else. And I've always said, you know, when one thing ends, right about at the time you think you're going to lose your mind, Uh then you get this nice lull, and then something else happens. Um, So I, I think our title spoke genuinely to both of us, um, because I think it's true. And I think there's a lot of support to be had talking about it. And in terms of the cover, you know, one of the things I loved about the cover is the idea of all these balls in the air and and standing on a, on a moving ball yourself. Yep. You know, if you're a mother with a more than one kid, if yep. you're a mother who's working, if you're a mother who, with one kid who's not so easy, yep. um, you got parenting issues, you got couples issues, you got just being a human being issues. Yep. It, it always felt that way to me. Like I had 15 balls in the air and, and I was standing on something that was moving. Always. I think every step of the way, it feels that way. And I think as much as I love our title, I really love that picture. Because to me, that is exactly what being a parent, sometimes just what being an adult, genuinely feels like. That, you know, it is a balancing act. You know, in my office, 
probably in yours, we talk about balance all the time because we're always juggling so very many things and figuring out how to do that, how to balance it, which balls have to stay in the air, which balls are okay to fall to the ground, Mm -hmm. I, I think is a large part of the process of being a parent. That picture is perfect. Yes. In my office, we talk about how it feels when the ball falls right. to the ground. <laughs> and in mine, we talk about what to do when the ball falls to the ground. Absolutely. So, you know, we're going to be talking about um, everyday problems, as you said. Yes. We're also going to be talking about, like, I see a lot of teenagers who are struggling with depression mm-hmm. or anxiety, mm-hmm. substance abuse. Funky stuff with their eating. Yes. Um, I see a lot of parents who are overwhelmed with their kids' lack of interest in anything. Yes. Lack of motivation. Um, There's the terrible concern that they're not feeling well. Yep. But there's also the concern that they're not performing well. Yes. Um, So we see a lot of that, and we're going to touch on the bullying, the social media. Yep. I think there's a whole range of things to touch on. Because like we said, I think what we see runs from the everyday issues. You know, how do I manage sleep? How do I manage peer relationships? How do I manage homework? Why is my child struggling in school? And then we get to the more serious pieces. You know, when we talk about, you know, ADHD and OCD and, you know, the more in-depth, how do I build independence? How do we transition, you know, from home to college? There's so many levels of things that we can talk about. One of the things that's interesting is I see the kids bouncing into your office and bouncing out. (laughs) And, you know, the the teenagers I see, they kind of sulk in one step at a time very slowly. Um, They're all wonderful. And it's it's a privilege to work with them. It is. It is. I'm excited. I'm really excited. Let's get started. Sounds good. I, I would like to start with one of my favorites, which is good enough. Yeah. You know, trying not to be perfect as a parent yes. and as a as a kid, trying to raise your kids so that they don't try to be perfect. They they try to be good enough. And in my mind, good enough is a whole lot better than perfect or great because it comes without the stress and anxiety. It comes with interest. It comes with passion. Yes. It comes with enjoying the process. Yes. We're not talking about not putting in any effort. We're talking about diving in, enjoying, putting in the effort, developing internal motivation. Yes. And performance will follow, but not focusing on it. Yes. Yes. I want to just tell two quick stories. One talks about our feeling like we need to be perfect. Yeah. I just had a mom in here the other day in my office, and she was just just this lovely woman who is just a phenomenal mother. And she was so angry with herself because she forgot to put something on the family calendar. So some of the carpooling was thrown off a little bit. And, you know, I kind of said to her, like, do you see how much you do? You work full time. She's got two kids. She's got, you know, yes. she works really well with her husband. Yep. And she does so much. But like so many moms and, and dads, is yes. so hard on herself if one of the 17 balls in the air gets dropped. I, I see that all the time. I know 
I've had that experience myself as a as a parent, as a working mother, but I see it all the time. On the phone this morning, somebody called for an evaluation and wanted to know if they were too late doing the evaluation. Were they a bad mother because they had waited so long to do the evaluation? So where in the world does that come from? I don't I don't even know this person yet. And I said to them, I can already tell that you're not a bad mother. <laughs> Right. And so I think that concept of good enough happens to be one of my favorites. Also, you and I talk about that. You know that because it is exactly that. It is the idea that we are not striving for perfection. We are striving for what works in the situation and how we can enjoy the process while we're going through it. I, I said to this woman who I've, I've known for quite some time, I said, huh? When my kids were that age, I was just happy when I didn't forget one somewhere. Absolutely. So the other the other story that I want to throw out um, happened with a friend. We were running, and she was telling me that her 16-year-old can't sleep the night before a test. And I said, why does he feel like he has to do perfectly on it? And she said, no, I don't put any pressure on him. I tell him as long as he does his very, very, very best. It's a lot of berries. That's what I said. I said, my God, I'm anxious from three berries. I said, how about just do your job, study for the test. That's right. And whatever happens, happens. And we'll pivot and take it from there. If you need more help, you get more help. Absolutely. But so there's an, and, and she got very upset. She said, oh my God, I did it wrong. And I said, didn't do anything wrong. Exactly. It's just a matter of kind of figuring out you're putting pressure on yourself to do it perfectly. Yes. And it translates into pressure on him to do it perfectly. I, I think that in my office, I say at least twice a week, there is no such thing as perfect, right? That's not our, that's not our goal. You know, I have this wonderful high schooler, you know, she is smart and she's driven and she's motivated and she happens to have hit a class that is really hard for her. And I was really proud of her. She was able to take a step back and think about that class in the context of all her other difficult classes. And she made the decision to change that class because she realized in that moment she did not have to have a perfect schedule, right? She did not have to have all honors or all APs. And I was even more proud of her mother who is able to take the same step back uh-huh. and to be able to say, you know what, I can see what this is doing to her, what works in this situation, which for me is another way of saying what's good enough here. Absolutely. It's looking at education as a marathon, not as a sprint. Correct. And a lot of times these kids and the schools are treating it like it's a sprint and it's got to be 100%, 100% of the time. And it's exhausting and it's demoralizing. It is. And I see kids kind of burn out by, you know, junior, senior year, certainly by the time they get to college when they want to then Really, that's when you want them to have all their energy and their ambition and their motivation. And if you think about our lifetime, 
right? These years that we deem so important, the four years of high school, the four years of college, these are small pieces, right, of a person's whole lifetime, which is why it's not a sprint. You know, it is a marathon. We have talked about that, you and I, before. And that concept is so important because, you know, when you are training for a marathon, right, which I haven't done. So this is, I'm going to imagine (laughs) Uh how this goes, even though I do like to run, but I'm going to imagine how this goes. You are training over time and you're training over a lot of different ways. And I am sure in that training, you are making mistakes, right? And so along with your good enough mothering comes becomes a concept I think is very important and fits with that, which is the importance of making mistakes along the way, right? That those are the tools from which we learn. If we make a mistake, it gives us the opportunity to say, what did we do? What can we do differently? It allows us to have a conversation with ourselves, with our children. That's how we, that's how we learn. Absolutely. If we strive for perfection, we don't allow ourselves mistakes. Mistakes are wonderful. They're supposed to be made. I made about five of them already today. (laughs) You know, and if your ego is fragile and you feel like if you make a mistake, that looks, you know, you you look badly. Yes. um, Then you're going to be afraid to try things and you're going to not be able to grow in the same way. There's a wonderful book for parents of little kids called The Blessings of a Skin Knee. Yo, that's a good one. It's a great book. I'm sorry I don't remember the, who wrote it, but it's a wonderful it. book. And the idea is it's better to, to, to play and live and Correct. slip and skin your knee yes. than to not let yourself kind of relish in playing um, at all. Yes. And the same thing I think is true with the idea of making mistakes. Absolutely. Just like the kid you were talking about. Try that class if it's if it's too much given your course load and then right. then you drop it. Yep. And I think making mistakes it allows for it allows for a conversation. You know, one of the amazing things that came out of that story that I just told is that that mother and daughter were able to have real conversation, you know, about what the situation was and how they were feeling and they were able to ask each other questions. And I think the teenager in that circumstance felt really heard by her parent. Mm-hmm. And I think those are the things that if we think about it that way, it makes our parenting job a little bit easier, right? It's about the conversation. It's about the journey. It's not about whether you did the perfect thing in the moment or whether you made a mistake or your child made a mistake. It's sort of what did you learn from that? Absolutely. And for us as parents to be able to say, you know what? I goofed up yesterday. I I yelled at you and I shouldn't have, and I'm sorry. Or I punished you and I'm glad, you know, it was it was the right thing to do to yes. give you a consequence for your yes. behavior. But I was angry and I think it was too severe. So let's talk about what would be more reasonable. I think that those are important things to be able to do. You're you're modeling the ability to make mistakes. You're modeling the ability to have a conversation. And you're modeling taking responsibility, right? The idea that I did something and then I thought about it and I came to a different set of feelings about it, right? And those 
are important parts of raising independent humans, which is something I am sure we will talk a lot about. You know, in order to raise our kids to be independent, they need to be able to take responsibility. They need to be able to have conversation. They need to be able to, you know, consider whether they've done something correctly, incorrectly, whether they want to make a change. Absolutely. So the idea of of being able to take chances, yeah, not to worry too much about making mistakes. Are there any mistakes that you would suggest to parents that they should absolutely not make? Any mistakes they should absolutely not make? Yeah, anything they should be like, 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 just don't go there. Oh my goodness, that's a big question. I, I think as parents, we get to make a lot of mistakes. I, you know, I think. There's a scope of mistake where we don't want to be harmful to our child, you know, where we don't want to be, you know, physically aggressive or verbally aggressive to our child. I think that there are lines, um, you know, that we don't cross as parents in the teaching of mutual respect and how we treat other people. But I am thinking of all the different kinds of mistakes I've made and I've seen parents you know, make over the years that sort of outside of that realm. And I've seen relationships and families come back from a lot of different kinds of mistakes. And I, and I think the idea that a lot of what we do as parents outside of that serious realm is repairable, right. I think is a really important parenting concept. Yes. And so with that in mind, it's it's kind of like, you know, I tell like teenagers, when they're making decisions, yeah. if the worst happens, is it terrible? Right. So <laughs> if you're thinking about getting in the car after you've had three beers mm-hmm. and the worst happens, mm-hmm. yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, exactly. That's that's not a mistake you want to make. Exactly. If you're thinking about, you know, you're going to go out for the basketball team and if you don't make it, can you live with that? It's going to hurt, but yeah, yeah you can live yeah. with that. And you're sure you don't have any cognitive behavioral kind of piece no, in there? No, not even a tiny bit. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 our listeners will have to decide as they learn more about us over time. At the moment, I'm not believing it, though, because that's that's something we use all the time when we talk about, you know, anxiety and decision-making. What's the worst thing that could happen, uh-huh. right? And can you, and what will you do if the worst thing happens? And- Luckily, which is something I say in my office all the time, very bad things happen rarely, right? So there's actually lots of room for that kind of conversation where you can make decisions and learn to weigh the consequences, and then it's okay if it doesn't work out or you make a mistake in the process. So like you and I decided to meet, it's it's a Tuesday night Mm -hmm. at 7.30, and our listeners are going to hear noise from the hallway. Yes. Right? <laughs> so I'm thinking, wow, we kind of made a mistake doing it at night. Right. But you know what? It's good enough. That's right. That's exactly it. And we're, we're going along with the theme of our podcast already. Absolutely. So another main point that is near and dear to me um, is the idea that we can take a pause when it comes to parenting, that... Whether your kid does something and you need to 
give them a consequence, yeah. discipline, whether they're asking for mm-hmm. something, mm-hmm. whether a situation comes up and you're not sure how to mm-hmm. handle it. 99% of the time you can say, I'm going to take some time and think about that. Yes. Or yes. I'm going to talk to your father or I'm going to talk to your mother and we'll get back to you. Yes. And I think that a lot of times as parents, we feel like we have to cough up the answer. We you do. know, the kids are yeah. going to be nagging. They're going to be insistent. Yeah. It's going to be urgent for them. Yes. You know, it's always like they urgent need a, for them. Right, a quart of blood. It's something that's, you know, mm-hmm. but it really isn't. Yeah, no. And to be able to say, I'm going to think about it, even like, you know, your kid comes home two hours past curfew and you're ready to bite their head off. They are fully prepared to get screamed at. Yes. And you simply say, are you okay? Go get some sleep. We're going to talk about this in the morning. I think that's actually more effective to take that pause because I think it, not only does it give us as parents time to think about what we want to say and how we want to handle the situation, but it also gives our adolescent in that circumstance time to think about their behavior mm-hmm. and come to an understanding maybe about why they did what they did or the choice that they made and to be less defensive and better prepared on their side to have a conversation. And so I, I think it's an effective parenting tool. Absolutely. I think I'll think about it is actually a sentence you can use anywhere with anyone. Uh-huh. So even though this is about being a parent is hard, I think that's something you can take with you to a lot of different circumstances. Yes. You know, I tell a lot of a lot of um parents to just ask their kid to tell them what they're doing that's that's upsetting them. Yes. And not to be defensive, but to say, I want you to tell me why you're angry with me. Yes. And I'm going to listen. And then I'm going to think about it. I'm not going to respond right away. Right. I'm just going to think about it. And then I'll get back to you. Yeah. It, it's, an impo- it's an important teaching tool. You Not only does it give us a chance to step back, but it also, you're modeling that behavior for them. And it gives them a chance to reflect on their, on, you know, on their own behavior. And I, I think... You and I, I think, have taken, you know, the things we've learned as psychologists and, you know, applied them to being a parent. And I think people ask me all the time, does being a psychologist make you a better parent? I have absolutely no idea whether that's true or not. I don't think about it as like a better or worse parent because I don't think about it that way at all. I I, I do know, though, that being a parent has helped me to be a good psychologist mm-hmm. because I think being a parent and now being a parent of much older kids, I think I am very aware of how hard it is and aware of what we ask parents to do and think about. And so I've I've tried to think about what parenting psychology things have been most helpful to me, um, you know, in the raising of of my two kids. And so I have what I tell everybody is my favorite sentence. Uh-huh. Right? And so when my oldest was about 14 years old and in a very 14-year-old place and came home and wanted to tell me the story about what had happened with the girls at school, which was a running theme, which is something also I am sure we will talk about. 
And she was very upset. And so, of course, she's very upset. So I go into, well, I'm going to fix it mode. And she's trying to tell me what happened. And she's trying to tell me her feelings. And I'm interjecting. And she is getting more frustrated and more upset. And then all of a sudden, she looks at me and she said, I just want you to stop talking. I just want you to listen to me. Good for her. Good for her. And I I stopped. It might have taken me a little while to realize how good for her, <laughs> in all fairness. When you've got the knife out of your gut, yeah. Sure, sure. But I stopped, and then I thought about it after. I said to her, would it be helpful when you want to tell me something if I said to you, is this a listening story or is this an advice-giving story? And I'm pretty sure that alone might have saved us during her adolescent years. Just that act of asking her, giving her that ownership, do you want me to listen or do you want advice, allows them to talk freely. It allows them to communicate. And it, it, it takes some of the pressure off of you as a parent because sometimes it's okay to just listen to them. You don't have to fix everything. Absolutely. No, listening is just doing, are you sure there's not an analytic bone in your body? Because I don't know. We'll see. That's what we talk about, talking about your feelings and sharing them with another person in the relationship. Yep. That is healing in and of itself. I agree. I say, I do agree with that. There we go. <laughs> We're bridging the theoretical pond. There you go. You know, we're going to be talking about the big things. Yes. Like bullying, like depression, yes, anxiety, anxiety. yeah, um, when parents disagree, yep. discipline issues. But we'll also talk about some of the smaller things, because I know we were talking before, and you said people come in with all these little questions. Absolutely. Oh, I get hundreds of little questions all the time. What do I do about this? What do I do about that? You know, there is no, there isn't really no manual, right? There's a lot of information out there. But it's not as though children are born and they have a technical manual and that's what it is. And I, and I think part of the reason we decided to do this is because I think you and I, over our many years of, of being a psychologist and many years of being a parent, I think have a cohesive idea about what to do about some of these things from the how do I set a curfew for my teenager or when have they been driving long enough to go to New Jersey from where we live or, you know, how do I get my toddler to eat anything other than chicken nuggets? Uh -huh. I think all the way to the kinds of things that you talked about, I think we have some different ideas to offer people. Absolutely. And it's just so important to talk about these things. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I think is most important for parents is to not feel the shame yeah. that a lot of parents feel, a lot of people feel, because they're not doing something perfectly or right. they're not, you know, um, meeting some unrealistic standard. Yeah. Or their kids are having trouble and they're feeling like it must be their fault. And, yeah. Yeah. you know, I, I like to share certain stories with my parents, you know, the ones who come in, you know, about the time I sent the chair flying across the room. Right. It was very imperfect on my part. But I could then sit down and talk to my kids about, you know, when you poke hard enough, 
at some point I'm going to have a big reaction Correct. and it was a wrong reaction, but it was a human reaction. Correct. And Correct. telling that to folks sometimes helps lessen their feelings of shame for things that, that they didn't throw it at any of the right, Exactly. No, no. We have all, we have all. Threw it at the new refrigerator. All but, <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, oh yeah. No, we have all, we have all been there. And I think that's why we settled on our title, being a parent is hard, because I think that there is solidarity and community and compassion in understanding that that's true, mm -hmm. that we are all in that same boat, so to speak, right? It is hard for all of us, and none of us have to do it perfectly or exactly so. But maybe we can listen to each other and gather our ideas and in that way offer support to each other about some ways to just make it that little bit less hard than it is. Yes. And I know a lot of times when there's a gathering of moms, you know, I go to my gym, which I love dearly, but I'm in a spin room and I used to have to put my, my hands over my ears until yeah. the music started because there would be all this stressful, competitive, yeah. pressurized talk about yeah. who's taking what class and who's going to what camp and you know who's doing travel, whatever, and yeah. who's getting a tutor in the art of breathing and yeah. all these things that <laughs> I, I, my stomach was in knots. So yes. that's, that's also part of why I think both you and I come from the same place. You wanna lean into parenting in a way that reduces the stress yes. and the pressure that's right. And helps build healthy, happy, independent kids. That's and that's that's my main goal as a as a parent and as a psychologist and I and I said it to my family this morning and they're deciding about that class, right? Is this person happy and healthy and independent? If the answer is yes, when we are on the right track for doing what we need, right? Our job is not to raise perfect little humans. Our job is to raise happy, compassionate, functioning, doing what they enjoy humans. And that looks like a lot of different things. It doesn't look like one single entity, which is something I think you and I hear a lot. You know, it has to be this way. It needs to be this way. Everyone is doing this. Why is, isn't my child doing these things? I just want everybody to take a step back and take a breath and think about how you want to raise the child you have, right? Which is another theme I'm sure we'll talk about, right? Have, raising the kids that we, we have and helping them turn into the people they can be. Right. And not losing our minds in the process. And not losing our minds in the process. Okay, let's give our listeners some quick takeaways. Great. The first one is the idea of being good enough, whether it's being good enough as a parent or your kids being good enough in whatever they're doing, which doesn't mean not to work hard. Right. It doesn't mean not to give it your best shot. Right. It just means you work hard, you give it your best shot. And it's good enough that we don't look for perfection. Perfection comes with way too much stress and anxiety. In my office, we say perfection is not something you strive for, right? You strive exactly for that. Good enough. Do what you can and learn from it. The next thing is the idea of taking a pause. Mm -hmm. 
as parents, I think we often feel like we have to give a response right away. Yes. Your kid asks you for something that you have very mixed feelings about. You still feel like you have to respond right away. They come home two hours after curfew. You feel like you have to give a consequence right away. And I think it's super important for parents to feel empowered to say, I need to think about it. Yes. Or I need to talk to your mother or your father about it. To feel empowered to take a pause. Yep. To just stop and wait and think it through. And, you know, in a similar way, I also think it's important to stop, think, and ask your child, your adolescent, what do you need in this circumstance? What can I do for you? Do you want me to listen to you? Do you want me to give you advice? Right? And so I think that communication is important. Ask that question. Do you want help or do you want me to listen? Oftentimes they may say neither, and then you have a little bit of a dilemma on your hands. But That's true. That's a different podcast. <laughs> okay. I also think it's important along the lines of good enough to accept mistakes, right? Almost encourage mistakes. Think of mistakes as positive, as learning tools, as things to be discussed. So don't shy away from a mistake, whether you make it or your child or adolescent makes it. Allow it, talk about it, and learn from it. Absolutely. One of my favorite words is pivot. Yeah. So when you make a mistake, you figure out what needs to be done differently, and you pivot, and you go forward. And and that's the way change and progress happens. I agree. And all of these things fit together, right? We don't strive for perfection. We pause and think. We ask our children what they need. We accept mistakes. Well, thank you for joining us for this podcast. Jen, can you give them the information about uh, if they want to reach us? Absolutely. We would love to hear from you with any questions that you might have or topics that you want us to talk about. Our email address is beingapersonishardpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in.